again, true believers, and welcome to episode six of Ultimate Spin, the international fan podcast about Miles Morales, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm Brian, one of the reviewers over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, and for those keeping track, I'm in the United States, and my co-hosts are Noor in Canada, Taz in New Zealand, and Kyle in the UK, where he's running NerdsUnchained.com. November 2014 finds us catching up with Miles in the explosive Ultimate Spider-Man number 7 and all new Ultimates number 10, which is explosive for different reasons. We also catch up with Spider-Verse, the all-new X-Men arc, and answer some of your emails. Don't forget, you can find us and subscribe at iTunes and Stitcher under Ultimate Spin. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd really appreciate it if you could post a review on those sites. And we'd also love to have you join in the conversation yourself. Visit us over at ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can send in your questions, find show notes, and stream or download our earlier episodes. Thanks for checking out the show. Let's get to it. It's time for the Ultimate Spin. Okay, we got a couple of things happening since our last episode, and I think the big one, or one of the big things, was this teaser about the end of the Ultimate Universe. This is, I think, part of Marvel's series of teasers where they're kind of referencing all these old events as new events coming out next summer, which is tied into the Secret Wars relaunch or miniseries. I'm very excited about the end of the universe. I think that the Ultimate has had its day. That day was about five years ago. So the fact that it might be ending is is great. It's great. Well, it's not. First of all, if you really thought, after the second teaser came out, mm-hmm. if you really thought that these Marvel were actually doing more than one event in the summer, after they already announced it was Secret Wars, you, my friend, are a moron. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I have no fun. Wow. Oh, shots you, fired. Okay. You know, <laughs> there you go. But... The whole thing about the whole teasers are that on Battle World there are different realities on it. So that doesn't mean that just means that there's a reality where the end of the universe happened. There's a reality where it stopped after Civil War. There's one where Planet Hulk takes a slightly different twist. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the ultimate universe. Because it probably yes. isn't. But it's I just agree. that's just on one I, of these sections of Battle World. I do actually agree with you, and I know that. I'm not a moron, thank you. But but it would be nice for it to all end and never have to read any of the other comics from the Ultimate Universe ever again. I mean, it's a striking image. It's uh, Mark Bagley who did it, and it's it's kind of like an all-star image of uh, pretty much everyone in the... Ultimate Universe, but then you've got Miles right front and center and the, the all the Ultimates as well. But then, yeah, when you're looking at characters like the Hulk and Van Grimm in there, it's I, it's it's to Kyle's point. It's it's neat to see and it's it's interesting to speculate given everything going on for the Ultimate Universe today as it's dwindling down to what seems to be just one title left. But yeah, in, in, in the overall context with this sort of barrage of teasers, I think it's just a bit of a bit of fun. Well, Marvel put out, they, uh, I'm not sure I could be wrong, but they stated that these are not alternate universes. From what I've heard, they're not alternate universes and they're not what-if stories. That's the two things they stated. I could be wrong, but uh, I know... There's I a lot of ways to go around that, though. If, yeah. it's not, if it's not alternate, then it could be a future that's changed or something. 
Yeah, like, I mean, they always do that sort of thing. There's a lot, yeah. There's lots of ways to get around it, but I know I'm definitive on that. They said it's not a what if story because even what if stories are alternate universes, and the best example of that is Spider Verse. There's lots of Spider Men in there that debuted in what if stories. I'm sure they'll find some gimpy way to get out of making it into mainstream continuity, but I gotta say, there's some that I really do want to make into it. I mean, there's the Renew Your Vows series that the teaser they put out for. Spy, uh, for oh, and Mary Jane. That was and, great. Honestly, yeah. I felt like such a sappy loser, but I was just <laughs> so moved emotionally looking at this image with like, like just Peter's daughter there and like the whole family together. And I was just, I was moved. It was a nice image. And I was like, I want this to be in continuity. There were some where like there wasn't a lot of context with it. Like the Civil War one, you wouldn't really know what they're doing differently. But the Renew Your Vows one and the end for the Ultimate Universe one, those ones stuck out. Like there's no there's no second guessing. They're like, okay, there's a very definitive thing they're trying to go with here. And that's why like I'd like to see those go in. Those would be interesting stories. As, well, as for the um the Renew Your Vows, um Team Mephisto, two K fifteen. Um, <laughs> um, are, you but, the, are you the team of the devil? Is that what you yes, just said? Well, but okay. What, what <laughs> I think is a little interesting about the end, the whole the end teaser, is that um, Peter's nowhere to be seen. There's no Peter Spider, even if he's unmasked or anything. Mm-hmm. He's the only one. Even Mary Jane's in it, which we'll get into later on. I suppose about that idiot, but. <laughs> Yeah, spoilers, I don't like Mary Jane. Team Gwen, forever. <laughs> One thing a lot of people have been speculating on for the end teaser is if you look right around the like bottom corners of it, there's like this these bright lights. And a lot of people are saying the end of the Ultimate Universe is going to tie into the main 616 universe's problems with the... Uh, what's that thing going on in the uh, Avengers run right now? Oh, the end. Everything ended. Yeah, with the, with the two um, the two Earths from different universes class. Incursions. Yeah, that's Incursions, it. Yeah. And, Which uh, all start with the Age of Ultron. That that's going to happen to the Ultimate Universe, and the one universe that doesn't walk away will be one uh, the... Uh, the 616. No, the 616 will walk away fine, but... Nah. 1610 is going to be the one that ends, and people are speculating that what's going on in Hickman's Avengers run right now is gonna is gonna be the reason it ends. I mean, if it is not a what if or alternate universe story, that'd be interesting. I think it'd be cool because it shows that like these writers really are working together to pull a really cohesive story, like not just in one book but in multiple books. And I mean, like you said, like it had its time, and like it was cool that they were killing off characters and keeping them dead, like keeping it realistic. But I think they reached a point where they just killed too many. Like they're dwindling on books. The Fantastic Four series was was a bust and all new ultimates which is we are going to get into that it is improving and it is improved and i love it but it's being carried by miles right now in terms of sales with the dwindling character base there's not much left to launch in the ultimate universe maybe some of these teasers are divided to be what if stories or alternate universes or possible futures or whatever but i feel like they're divided where some can be like will affect continuity and some won't. Some will just be random out their stories for the hell of it. But I ha- I don't know why, but I've got a feeling that the Ultimates teaser for the end falls towards the going-to-happen side. Not all of the teasers will happen, but I've got a feeling that one will. Spider-Gwen is going to take place in her own universe. So I don't really see the problem in it only being Miles the Ma- The Ultimate Universe doesn't alternate universe 
and Spider-Man is the only one in focus. And he can just leave it's it true. at that. They don't have to bring everything tied in. The old, it doesn't have to be any more of these, this is the end of the world of sort of things with Galactus coming or anything like that. It That's can just, just be Spider-Man and nobody else. You basically eliminate that by you don't having to force in the X-Men. I think it'd be nice to have Miles operate on his own like that. It'd be like Image, you know, Image titles. Each title is its own self-contained story. You don't have crossovers and, and, you know, characters from one book wandering into another. There's no reason Miles couldn't carry his own book and and shouldn't be able to. But time will tell. This uh, teaser has uh, summer 2015 listed on it. So I'm assuming that... Miles's book, at least, will carry. Uh, will be able to carry on until then. So we'll we'll find out then. And then, in the meantime, Spider Verse has officially kicked off with Amazing Spider Man number nine. Excitement! Yeah, I mean, spiders start off huge with amazing, amazing artwork by Olivier Coipel or Coipel. I'm not sure how you'd pronounce it. Just make it sound as French as you can. Olivier Coipel. Coipel. Olivier Coipel. Très bien. (laughs) Magnifique. No, it's... Baguette. (laughs) Nora, this is is your territory. I know very limited French. I can can do this. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to say, like, hi, how are you in chicken. That's about it. (laughs) I second that notion on the artwork. It was phenomenal it was really gorgeous and i mean it's t- it's honestly tough to do when you have so many costumes that look so alike and so many characters that are going to eventually look alike this is justin ponson <laughs> colors uh from the main miles book and it's oh yeah it really just looks i mean this is the perfect team to to kick off this event it just looks cinematic for lack of a better description oh, yeah. but it, it looks fantastic and the issue closes i mean i think the the focal point for this this group anyway is uh miles and uh and the ultimate universe uh shows up in the the last few pages so we have miles and um jessica drew we can say kyle was right in that it's basically two pages (laughs) yeah i'm excited because i know they're going to dive further into miles but at the same time i was like i wanted to see more of them i mean sure oh man like just i don't like i didn't want to just see him sulk around and like, oh, I don't know, but I'm excited. Regardless, I'm still very excited for the future of of the Spider-Verse event because I think Miles is going to tie in big with that. And I got to say, the artwork even it carries over and looks great. Like, I think Miles looks great. It's nice to see him out of costume and just in normal civvies. I think, like, I don't know. I think they've nailed the art here. I think it looks phenomenal. It's in, like, I, the pouring rain. I think um, Koipel is... It's, it's kind of weird how, depending on the artist, they make Miles vary in age, but obviously we keep canon with his main series. And I think he makes him out, he, may, he portrays him, at least in these brief images, he looks about the age, he looks about 13, 14 years old. And that's nice just as a sense of it's all streamlined. Uh, another little detail, they, they caught this over on the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, but uh, two things. One, there is a typo. This is listed as Earth 610 when it should be 1610. That's yeah. the, uh, the ultimate universe designation. And then uh, another interesting one that I realized something felt off and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then uh, I think it was Dan over at Amazing Spider Talk that pointed this out. 
the lettering for this scene. Yeah, um, oh yeah. It's not it's all uppercase, whereas Ultimate Universe uses lowercase lettering. Yeah. I don't know if you notice in the word balloons, it, it has its a very distinctive look. And so when they feature this scene, it doesn't quite fit. Whereas in a series like Spider-Man, which crossed over 616 and 1610, they did use that the difference in letters to kind of convey where you were. Hell, even All New X-Men did it as well. Oh, really? Yep. It started off in full and then once they ended up in the Ultimate Universe... It's, it's alternated to the lowercase. Nice touch. No, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I'll have to, have to check that out. But anyway, it was a little bit of a tease. It was nice to see Miles make an appearance, however brief. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. And also, Miles' adventures with the all-new X-Men continued in issue 33. Better than the last one, technically. How so? I found the conversations to be a lot more enjoyable. In the last one, they were very much setting everything up and in this one people are kind of going with it like we saw Iceman for a panel also or a couple of panels in the last issue and now he's in full swing you know yeah he's having fun fighting little yellow monsters and he's funny I, I like the Iceman in this yeah to focus on the positives uh, it was really cool to see Genki in it and there was no messing up of his character because it's written by Bendis so um, both series, both the Miles series and All-New X-Men. So his character was spot on to what we know of Genki. Um, and, I mean, we've mentioned it before countless times, and it's it's worth mentioning again, the interactions between Miles and Genki, uh, or Genki and an attractive girl, are really interesting to see. <laughs> it's, uh, it's... We talked about it with the last issue, but... Um... In terms of the age of the characters, yeah, uh, in this time around, it's Mahmoud Asrar. These characters look young. I mean, they look 13, 14. You can tell off the characters, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are they are they in line? Do you, do you guys know if that's what age they're meant to be? I haven't been back and read it yet, so. <laughs> are they meant to be, like, 13? And No, well, it's in context for now, sort of, so that for, it's supposed to be about 14 or so, but yeah, the thing okay. is, they look like... They're just they're about they're like ten or eleven really. They look really yeah. young. If like the first time we saw Miles, I think in issue one where he's in, in that lottery and he looked like he's never eaten anything. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's one of those things. It's not really like a deal breaker, but it's just I, one of those little things that you notice that they vary in age sometimes. It's interesting coming to another Bendis title. I mean, in the main Miles title. I think because you're, so, or speaking for myself, so invested in the characters, like the pacing is slower. You know, it's the word decompressed comes up all the time, but that's, I guess, shorthand for for this kind of long form storytelling. And then when you go to another book, it's it's a strange transition for me anyway, because it's almost like now I can understand how other people feel like, come on, let's, let's move on with it already. But yeah. this is, you know, kind of inching things forward. And really the main takeaway at the end is Miles and Jean decide to go find the X-Men of this universe and so they borrow Genki's mom's car which is a very nice convertible mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm scared for the car yeah I didn't it's think gonna, Genki's mom be would be driving a, driving a car like that but uh, they make their way to upstate New York and um, and encounter the, the ultimate X-Men In- I am completely 
uninformed about the X-Men specifically in the Ultimate Universe because I stopped reading about a year into the Ultimate Universe, you know. I, I had to catch up when I first got into the Ultimate, really, and I just didn't bother with the X-Men. I, I kind of did with the Fantastic Four, but I also stopped on them, so it's just confusing stuff to me. I have no idea what's going on. I really only know them from when they'd showed up in uh, in Peter's run. And so Firestar shows up at the last page here, and that's that's Liz Allen, of course. Yeah, and you know, I, I that's how that's basically what I knew of them as well. They they showed up occasionally in Peter's run with, usually with Kitty, you know, because because the whole relationship thing. Right. But I honestly, I'm lost when it comes to the Ultimate X Men. But I can appreciate the significance of the, the X Men, you know, from the two universes about to, to meet. But oh, it's then, very cool. Yeah. Is, I mean, is, is it going to go to Kyle's theory of well, they're going to have to fight first before they can be friends? <laughs> No, wait, 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 it's not a theory. Sorry, sorry, it's a, it's a fact. <laughs> it's, it's a comic formula. It has to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can already see that Storm and her lot are prepared to fight immediately. <laughs> they can't just look at each other and be like, hey, are you fighting for good? And then be like, yeah, we are. Okay, well, then I guess we're on the same team. And she's like, whoa, and a new team, they're clearly up to no good. We have to fight them. There's no other way. This, this, is, this is how it has to go down. That one's with Spider-Man. He's never been good. <laughs> oh, that dastardly Spider-Man. Always up to no good stopping crime. How dare he save us all the time and, and, and be a plot really point bad. for like three years. I do like how it squares off, which I see, I'm like 90% sure that's Gene. So you've, got, you've actually got a two meeting up, the ultimate version and the actual version, mm-hmm. the 616 version meeting up, that's mm-hmm. which they are messing about so eventually Bobby will meet his ultimate self and pretty much every other mutant's dead anyway so but yeah I mean once again we saw Miles in a very limited role in this book it was expanded upon um, as opposed to number 32 but it was uh, I think even the short parts he was at were really interesting to read and even that ending that ending scene where they meet the X-Men of this universe, looked awesome and left it on an awesome cliffhanger. All I can really say as a guarantee for this issue is that Genki's mom's car is not going to return alive. Yeah. <laughs> that is my guarantee, because every single form of entertainment, comics, movies, TV shows, if teenagers steal a car from a parent, it's not coming back. It's, <laughs> it's gone. It's, that's their death sentence right there. <laughs> so that car is not going to make it out. Well, I don't know. Two issues in this all new X Men arc is is fun, but it it hardly feels essential. Oh no, it's it's not essential because no matter which way you look at it, Miles is not a main character. He's a supporting character in this comic. Yeah. So obviously, us being a little bit, you know, maybe biased towards <laughs> Miles stuff, it's it's not going to live up to to the actual comic that he's featured in or all the ultimates you know because it's 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 an x-men comic primarily it doesn't matter that he's a very good character they don't care because it's it's still the x-men comic and the x-men podcast is going to be like oh we're seeing too much of this spider guy you know (laughs) we're not seeing enough of gene gray although we do see a lot of gene gray but you get my point the the ultimate x-men are having a, a whale of a podcast right now talking about how you know, just because he's in it doesn't mean he's important, and he'll go away soon. So, yeah, I mean, 
comic book team-ups are obviously not a new concept. People, they'll do it all the time. It'll mean nothing to the continuity. It'll mean nothing to the current story arc. It's just a fun little thing. Well, on that note, should we get so, to the good stuff with uh, Miles Morales, number seven? Oh, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, this is what we're all really here for. Miles Morales, issue seven. And I think it's funny how we all assume that issue six was the end of this story, only for it to actually continue into this issue, where we're reeling off Norman Osborn's revelation that he knows something about Miles' father. And it kind of teased that maybe Jefferson's not his real father. Mm-hmm. But I think we can safely assume that Norman is actually just even more insane than he was before. <laughs> right. It's all him going, I created you, so I'm your father. He's just, he's being yeah. a little bit egomaniac and a little bit crazy psychopath. Yeah, well, I think him being actually crazy is more credible here. Because if you really think about it, throughout these whole six issues that he's been in, he's basically repeated the same thing over and over again. Even in the last issue, he was still getting beat over and over again. Throughout the fight, he kept going on that he's going to make him burn with him. I'm thinking of Doctor Who. <laughs> burn with me. Burn yeah. with um, me. But, you know, he's threatened to set everyone on fire and everything, which kind of, if it was any other villain, I think that we might label it as being redundant. But I think in the case of Norman, that it is kind of the exception to the rule. The whole staying dead rule. Nah, Norman doesn't follow that. Even though we did get this more concrete conclusion, I suppose, what do you think about it basically repeating it to a degree? I don't like that he kept getting up. Like, he did it, like, four times in this issue alone. It makes sense he got up after the last one, but then they just did it again and again. I found it incredibly frustrating. I think in the the series today, we had two major fights between Spider-Man or Spider-Men and the Goblin. And the first yeah. one was exciting and dramatic. And then the one in issue six seemed to end. And then it was ending on that, I know the truth about your father. And then to pick up with a fight again, it just felt like, don't get me wrong. I, I look at this and it's it looks awesome. I mean, the artwork was great. The colors are all scary and dramatic. And the actual choreography of the fight is remarkable. But it just felt like more of the same it didn't really add anything to the story. And like you said, Taz, it just, he gets knocked down and he gets up and gets knocked down again. Yeah. Yeah. And we know at this point that Sp- that Miles can knock him down very efficiently. Right. So there's no so it's, drama it's, in that. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a pro wrestling really. If uh, <laughs> the guy uses the same fish- finisher, he uses the finisher and then the person gets up. Then he does it again and he gets up. Then you're just making it redundant. It doesn't really prove that it's hurting him if he's continuing to get up. You're not doing as much damage as you actually think you are and you're underselling anything else. Because, yeah, Norman's tough, but Miles has Norman's kryptonite in the Venom zap. I can see where you guys are coming from. But it's annoying to see him consistently lay it down because the whole point, like you're talking about the comparison to uh, pro wrestling, it's called a finishing move for a reason. It ends the fight. And... 
a lot of the punches that Miles throws, or, or not even punches, any of the attacks he throws in this entire issue and in the past issues look like finishing blows. They look like something, like even just right off the bat into this issue when he first uses the Venom Sting, just you can see there's the shot, Norman's eyes go super wide and he just says no, dot, dot, dot. That is a conclusion. That sh- And he turns, like, I can't count how many times he's turned back from being Norman to being the Green Goblin, to being Norman, to being the Green Goblin, all over again, like, a hundred times. And it's it's disorienting at this point, because, like, you don't see it coming. Like, later on in this issue, it happens again, um, when Miles, like, like, Norman's in, like, this weird shocked state where he's <laughs> just doing some weird thing, and Miles yells, answer me, and then you flip the page, and he's and he, a problem. He transformed in between the pages. And he's, like, suffocating Miles, and I, I swear to you, I thought that I had gotten a messed up issue where the pages were out of order. And I flipped through the rest of the book. I was like, what's happening? What's going on? I don't understand. And then I realized that's just the way they did it. He just transformed randomly. And Miles, even with his spider sense, did not have enough time to react to Norman transforming and suffocating him. And I was like, how did this it did. It, you're right. It did seem like it was uh, there was a missing page, or it was out of order, or something like that. Was, and you know, was, speaking of that page, it's the um, two page spread. I actually had a little bit of difficulty following this page. It. I. I did too. I. I could see what it was trying to do, but it took me a couple of times to get it. It was following the flow of the pages, and I can see mm-hmm. what he did with kind of overlapping two panels, but. I didn't quite get it the first time. It took a couple shots to, or a couple yeah. passes to figure out that Norman somehow gets knocked down. And when he's knocked down, he sees May and Gwen and Mary Jane and then decides to go after them. Mm. But the way it's kind of laid out, it, it's, it's kind of jumbled. So I'm, I wasn't quite sure where it was going. Then somebody yells no. So I didn't know if somebody else was entering the scene. And then you realize it must have been Peter and or Miles, and then they take him out again. Yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> and then the pacing is weird because it just stops. Like Norman just changes back and falls down. He like explodes for some reason, and you don't get like a logical reason for it. He just. But I love that. I love that. Even even Peter just goes, huh. this whole issue was just directed by michael bay it's just norman osborne exploding over and over again just like at what point do you stop turning into the green goblin and just pass out the thing is it's a bit like a michael bay action scene but it still has character yeah and it still conveys something of a story i don't know if i'd agree with that because i feel that we got the dramatic fight last issue we did. And then now the payoff was a non, non-event non because, as we were saying, it was Norman just kind of being crazy. So then mm-hmm. he gets beat on for pretty much half the issue. Mm-hmm. And to me, that yeah. just felt like a colossal waste because we had round one, round two. Now it's like, all right, issue seven is round two and a half. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't necessarily need that. I thought we could have... Yeah, there was a cool moment of Peter throwing Miles a web shooter, but come on. I mean, was that – I don't think that was worth you know another however many pages of fight. And then Maria shooting and burning Norman, that could and should have been more dramatic. But at this point, it's like, did any of you actually believe that was his final moment? 
No. No. So, no, not really. I think, I think... And I'm, I'm the optimist about death here, apparently. <laughs> I think, I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's even hurt. <laughs> so he's probably right now just getting a suntan off of that new plan. <laughs> I suppose you know when we're going on about the he keeps getting back up. I suppose you know in the context of the actual issue, you can make the argument that he's not being able to sustain goblin mode for as long each time because I think it's true. It's, it's getting shorter with each each time he has to transform. So you can make it. It kind of make the excuse that it's wearing down on him, but the way issue six handles it, it ends with Peter and Gwen and Mary Jane and uh, uh, Aunt May basically acknowledging that Miles is the right guy to be Spider Man, and it happens later on again. Again, this is the thing; it's repeated it, but you've gone from Miles beating the Goblin not single handedly. Peter had a, to a degree had an influence on in it, but now you've got it where Miles needed Peter's help to beat the Goblin. So you've kind of undercut it to a degree. Mm. You've gone from this is the Miles series. Miles has defeated one of the great spider villains to now Miles needs Peter's help to take him down in the space of an issue. I lent this issue to my sister to give it a read because she's been following the Miles series as well. And I was like, hey, check it out. Miles 7 is here. So give it a read. First thing she said, she got a couple pages in. She's like, there's a lot of as in this issue. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> How many times Norman just goes ah and yarg and yeah, <laughs> just like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> in true Bendis fashion, this is not just one big action sequence. There's some actual nice emotional moments in here as well that close out the issue. As Peter Parker says farewell. There was what we were talking about earlier. How it kind of takes away from it with um, Miles being the definitive Spider-Man. I think while the issue takes away from it because he needed Peter's help to defeat the Goblin, Peter giving the web shooters to Miles and even him saying um, during this conversation, but you, you be Spider-Man, my blessing, it's all yours. You know, that's... We've been having the talks about it since we started reviewing this book about... What's going to happen with this series? What, like, why is Miles being overtaken in his own book by Peter? We even talked about it. There was a cover for, I think, number four, where we were talking about all the symbolism of Peter ripping off the spider from Miles' chest. But when it came down to it, at the end of this issue, Ben just put, put it to rest. Peter himself gave the blessing to Miles and said, you, you're, you're going to be Spider-Man here. You keep it up. And I think... I, like, I think we've been talking about a lot about how Miles needs to develop his own rogues gallery, but even with defeating the Green Goblin, a member of Peter's rogues gallery, that is an incredible feat. And even though it took five or so tries because Miles, because nothing of Miles' fault, because Norman Osborn's crazy and doesn't know when to just be like, okay, look, I'm done losing. Um, it was still crazy that he could do that so easily. I mean, this is the guy who, we, sometimes you forget this is the guy who killed Peter Parker and Miles just has to channel a sting into him and that's it. That puts him down. Yeah. While we talked about how good last issue was as a closer, this one is equally as good as a closer, despite some of the flaws with that really elongated fight scene. Bendis is telling us here, just like, don't worry, guys. Miles is the Spider-Man of the Ultimate Universe and that's not changing. I think that it gives Peter a something else to do. I think it would be a little weaker where he's just gone. He's just not doing anything. Now he's gone. Yeah. 
don't want to be Spider-Man no more. You know what that responsibility that I wanted about for a year? Nah, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we so from the last issue with the revelation of that the issue before, I was track. We can assume that he's going to go find out what happened and that is the sort of thing that he can be gone for an extended amount of time. I think that it if makes sense. it happens any time, if it's, let's say, obviously comic book timelines are, are messed up anyway, so it can be as long as it needs to be, especially in the Ultimate Universe, which which in over, what is it, four, 13 years at this point? It's only been two years. I wouldn't just write it off as like, a, oh, this is a way to get rid of Peter for now, because uh, I'm not sure... Do any of you here follow Bendis' Tumblr posts? Oh, no. I follow him. I just don't pay attention to Bendis on Tumblr. <laughs> well, I, 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 see, I, see it, I see him around every once in a while, and he, somebody asked a question. They said, will, uh, will Ultimate Peter Parker feature or be a major part of the upcoming Spider-Man sequel? And Bendis' reply was a maybe, which is essentially a, I don't want to flat out say yes, but yeah, he's going to be in it. Um but- and this is a troll. Yeah, he does mess around. It could, with it it. could be it's very it's latent sarcasm. Remember, remember the X Men stuff. I don't like. There's like times to be a troll and joke around, but I mean, at this point, I don't see a better way to kind of not really shoehorn, but to bring Ultimate Peter back into this series, or not into this. Ah, I'm like struggling with phrasing it, but um, I don't think there's a better way to bring him back after he goes to research into his past like he's Wolverine in X-Men Origins. What I liked about closing this chapter for Peter and Miles in a way, uh, or starting a new one for Miles, is Bendis stepping back and letting Marquez take over. I love on that page you were talking about, Noor, when he said, you know, you be Spider-Man, my blessing. And then there's no dialogue. It's just Miles' reaction, Mm -hmm. Peter shaking his hand, and then for the Mark. first time in a while, Miles puts the mask back on, and it's this right out of the movies, you know, shot. He's swinging by the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, he is Spider Man. It's such a definitive, iconic image and you stunning. Know, I think there is symbolism in the putting the mask back on because we've seen him with his mask off a lot, and there hasn't been a lot of explanation for that. But I mean, like, not to delve too much into, like, this is some high school English class where everything has to have meaning. But um, the curtains are blue because the author was depressed. Yeah, right. But um, you know, there is there is symbolism in the fact that you know he doesn't have the mask bec- during a lot of this arc because it's really shaky. Like this, the original Peter Parker came back. It's sometimes yeah. hard to realize how expensive this is, that is. Like this is the original Spider-Man in this universe. This is this kid died, and now somebody's taken up his mantle, but he's back. You know, you feel, as Miles, if I were Miles, I'd feel inadequate. I'm standing beside the now living legend. I would be, I'd be like, who am, like, who am I to take up this position? I'm just. Some- who am I? <laughs> it's, it's great to get. Uh, it's great he gets that validation. And then there's the the closer with Peter and Mary Jane, and they're off to go find their happy ending. I love that. I love that because in this series going all the way back to 2000, this version of Peter and Mary Jane, that relationship, that friendship has been sort of allowed to progress and like Mm -hmm. a normal, actual, realistic relationship. And they had their ups and they had their downs. 
And there was no, I mean, I know Kyle's on team Mephisto, but there was none of that happening here. You know, they, there was no still reset. Time. There's, <laughs> there was no reset. <laughs> there was no one doing it. You know, there was no, well, you know, we got to bring them back to, you know, status quo so that we can sort of reboot this thing and start over. None of that. And so for them, for at least one version of this character to find a nice ending, that was that was great. And mm-hmm. I loved that it, Kyle had pointed this out when Peter first returned. If you kind of go back and look uh, look at Mary Jane's body language in the series, she knows. And so even in this issue too, when Peter's talking about leaving and she's just kind of hanging back, they clearly made this decision to leave together, you know, as soon as Which they, is awesome. Cause which is phenomenal. It's like, it's, it's like you said, the, they are to me one of the definitive comic couples, you know, mm-hmm. and to see them together and they're relatively happy in the ultimate universe. They get into spats every now and then, but it is nice to finally see that relationship thrive outside of, random EU comics where they've, you know, got a kid or lived to die old or May's been yeah. killed by radiation. <laughs> Shout out to the rain. <laughs> Great right. comics. We cannot we cannot close off this section of the podcast without Oh really? I thought that I thought that was it. No, no there was me. Yeah. Oh there was me. I just stopped reading the book. Oh silly <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. No, we closed it. There's two two big things left. Oh, the, I, I think I think the biggest thing is in the, the reveal of thing, Katie Bishop's parents. I loved the fact that Justin Ponser colored <laughs> colored Mister and Mrs. Uh, Bishop's clothes like Hydra uniforms. Yeah, <laughs> that was I, I noticed great, that like, immediately. I was looking at them. I was like, "It's a great they tease." Look, they've got like the yellow and the green. I was like, "That looks really familiar." And then they go, "Hail Hydra," and I'm like. Bloody hell. <laughs> I, I knew it was there, but I didn't expect that. It's really odd to see, like, the, like just using the term. Like, it, it, we've seen it in the movies, we've seen it in the comics, where Hail Hydra is such like the secretive thing. It carries a lot of power. Like, you see, like, for example, I'm going to bring up The Winter Soldier, where the whispered thing, they come like, Hail Hydra. But, like, here, this is a, this is a good night thing. Just sweet dreams, Hail Hydra. Like, it's complicated. so matter of fact. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a hail hydra. Like everyone says it to their kid before going to bed, you know. Like I love it, but <laughs> don't let the bed bugs bite hail hydra. <laughs> but while we're on this, while we're on the sequence, uh, I think we have to talk about the cover because I think okay. this is one of the most interesting uh, covers for the series. I thought for the series today, it's the first one that doesn't feature Miles. Yeah, and I didn't. Katie Bishop holding Spider. It's such a great, uh, you know, Noor, you were saying it's not a high school English class, but I think they put a lot of thought into these covers. I think for this series, every cover in and of itself has told its own story. And I think, I mean, this is great. I mean, Katie, first of all, looks completely sinister and terrifying. Oh, yeah. And even what it's depicting, I mean, if you think about it, she has patiently allowed the spider to weave its web uh, in between her fingers. And so one, it's literally wrapped itself around her fingers. And then it has no idea that she's the one that could actually crush it. And Kill it. it. She's, she's fully in control and she's got all this power over it. It has no idea. It It's hanging out there thinking that it's the one setting a trap 
when in fact she's the one that's presenting a lot of danger to it. I, I think that's such a great, powerful image. It's and I was wondering, cool. uh -huh. like, where is this kind of, you know, what does that have to do with anything with this big green goblin fight in front of Mary Jane's house? Mm -hmm. And then bam, there's that payoff and just one page. It's just one page of it. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Five panels. Yeah. About like five or six uh, panels. Yeah, that turns right. the whole thing on its head. And that just, I mean, that was an interesting sequence to kind of try and capture on the cover. And it was phenomenal. And we talk about miles needing his own, uh, roster villains to kind of go against and this is this is great mm -hmm. this is a great i gotta one. say i want to i want to i want to tell you that you're overthinking things so i feel better about myself not noticing this very clear wrapped around her fingers reference <laughs> <laughs> i i want to tell you that you're overthinking things but i think you're spot on i think that's exactly <laughs> what they're going for that's the problem you're spot on <laughs> but i feel i feel dumb not being like ah he's wrapped around her fingers and ryan like, was right <laughs> I have said it before. I, I've said it before where I, I, when she was first introduced, I always thought that she was spying. Like she was always there when they were talking about Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe they've been planning something like this for a while. But she also did seem genuinely surprised when she, she found out that Miles was Spider-Man. So I don't know. That could have just been the way that she was drawn in the original, but I'm convinced that she's had a plan for a while, even if she didn't know he was specifically Spider-Man. Maybe mm. because of the connection to Daddy Dearest, but he's wow. also had a very limited in, in encounter with Hydra. So Even that you can see, even with that final shot of her in bed, like the way she says, Hail Hydra, you can tell from the way it's drawn, she's reluctant to say it. Like, yeah. You know, that's why I feel like maybe she's not a spy and she's like, she's kind of just going along with it because her parents are a part of it and like she'd most likely she, get killed if she was like you know what i don't really want to support hydra so she does look like an upset person in that panel she's like curled the, up and and how beautiful she, yeah. is that lighting too with the crack of the door because the parents are closing the door and there's just that little sliver of light i think it's little touches like that that really bring this book to life it's touches yeah. that have made that we've commented on a hundred times just like i mean we went back on it with the with the jameson's apartment scene with like the whole new york city like they don't skimp out on the little details that make this book like you say come alive it looks realistic they don't like and, and like, i mean the one thing we've always noticed on it is lighting you've noticed in all the green goblin scenes you see the fire reflecting off norman osborne's chest and you can see you can tell those are flames. You see in this shot, there's a sliver of light. You can tell the door is closing. You know, they don't skimp out on the details. I think that's more in a somatic sort of way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Compared compared to, like we made, like you say about the lighting, and we've preached that for things like the fire, but that's the, that's just the fire. When you look at this one, that is a sort of, shot that the actual director would be looking to utilize yeah. and to invoke such an emotional like it's because i do genuinely believe that she is conflicted in what's happening and that yeah what and and but i'm kind of on the side where she might have been set up to go after miles anyway in some sort in some fashion i don't think like directly oh let me take notes blah blah, blah. but the fact that He's she now knows he's Spider Man has added a curveball and she doesn't know what to do. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that she's been gunning for Miles in some way for a while, but the Spider-Man is adding another uh, layer to it. And now, speaking of Daddy Dearest... <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I'm reluctant to go to our phone. It's, uh, it's, the same, it's the same setup as the Katie Bishop thing. It's just five panels, and it's quite a big reveal. I, oh, man, I gotta say, this issue was just, like, throwing my emotions up and down. Like, my heart rate was going up just, like, reading every new panel. I was like, okay, this surely must be the end. There cannot, there cannot be more to this issue. And then there's, there's always more to this issue. <laughs> yeah, God. It was like a Scorsese movie. It had, like, five endings. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's nuts. It's like Norman Osborn would not give up. These endings never end. Like, I'm, I'm surprised. Like, I, I got to the end where with the uh, big reveal with Miles' dad, and I was just like, oh, is it over? I was, almost, I was almost expecting the next issue to come attached to it just so they wouldn't end it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, basically, they all dance around it, with Miles' dad returning. And I kind of... It might be because we haven't seen him in a while, but the way he introduces him seems a little odd. I don't... He seems... Very non non affected, doesn't he? Well, it's just, it's where he goes. Hey, boy! So now I can't remember. I'm not expecting him to go. Oh, Miles, kid, hey, hey, son, I missed you. <laughs> Don't forget when I deserted you for for a while because I wanted to live up to the stereotype. Um, but <laughs> now, come it's... on, now he was torn and <laughs> conflicted. <laughs> but. <laughs> It can It's one of those things where we've suspected. I brought it up as well that he might have had. He it might be related to his vendetta against powers as a whole that we saw very early in the series. So I still don't think he's prepared to accept Miles in any way. I think he might still be rejecting him even after the next issue. But he will now know more about why Jefferson became Jefferson and didn't become the Prowler. Like the Prowler 2. We can't, we can't be the Prowler 2 because we can't even walk anymore, so... Oh. House. Oh, no. <sighs> hey <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> I like it. I like, no, artistically, the whole issue. Beautiful, especially, you know, like this part, um, the top panel of the final page, where you got Miles drooling <laughs> in the most uncomfortable... He, Bendis must have said... Make it look as uncomfortable as possible. And Mark Evan, okay, let him stick his butt in the air, drooling. <laughs> it looks painful, but I like how there's a little picture of the happy family. You know, yeah. before everyone, before they went, one went dead and one went later. <laughs> one went dead. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> she got a bad case of the dead. Shot by the police, <laughs> but she went dead. She's been diagnosed with death. One, one, one did a runner, the other went dead. The other went dead. Poor kid. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I've fallen asleep like that before. I was, uh, that is a little one kid. Time, uh, little, little kids do that all the time. No, I've done, I've done it as like a 17-year-old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just, I I was just really tired. There's there's only so much we can continue to say about the art in this book. 
because every time we bring it up, like, I mean, there's never an issue where like where we're like, eh, the art was okay. Every time, it's always like the art is phenomenal, and like I feel like it gets redundant and it carries less meaning every time. But I truly do mean it. Like, in all honesty, I think Marquez is doing a wonderful job. And I don't want it to ever, like, mean less because I'm saying it about every issue. But, like, it really does look phenomenal. And, like, we're just talking about lighting. This last shot with Miles' dad, you know, you don't even see a window in the frame. But they still took the time to light it as if there was a window to... Uh, Jefferson's left, and I, they're not taking any shortcuts with this. They're they're paying attention to every detail, and you know what? I don't care that these books release a little bit later than they than they usually are set to, because if it takes that much longer to get this like gorgeous looking art into it, and then like as great as the lighting is in it, I don't mind waiting because like each book is a ma- like is a masterpiece to look at. It's gorgeous. I agree. It's they probably the best art i've seen in in certainly in currently running comics yes you see now when you praise the art you know what i'm about to say it just seems like i'm being a tall hipster i don't like that you but are a hipster only, oh god the, the <laughs> only issue that i had with the art is in the opening page um and that's just and that's just on the, an inking sort of level i think more than anything with you know when it's the whole close up, yeah, close up to um, both Norman, especially Norman. I think, especially the panel of Norman, but it's gone for the pencil line. But instead of individually just making it a black, it's instead tried to ink the lines themselves. Yeah, and that kind of put me off. But it's only for these four panels. So in the grand scheme of things, is it anything to detract from the whole issue? Hell no. That's interesting because I I noticed that about those pages as well, but I just took it as trying to convey like the flickering flames. Like you could almost hear them crackling in the background because it was just that kind of raw, intense mood that was happening. So I just... Took it as you know, trying to trying to kind of create that lighting effect. Well, I get, I, I do get the Norman one because it it does make him look menacing. Yeah, but again, it's the actual lines themselves on the inking that mm. is what bugs me more than anything. If it was just a, like, if it's just like, if you see the panel above with the shadow under his under his body, yep. if it had just been that, just the black, then I think it wouldn't. It's it gel well more. It would sit better with me you're so needy oh well all right so kyle's massive problem you know the big chip I on said, the well basically giving it, i'm giving it a two yeah i've got so uh, wall two if you and then times up by four and then plus one so it's a it's oh, a, good it's a nine from kyle oh is that a record you stumbled there with the mass one yeah it's a, and then Wait, oh, wait, two, four, wait, where was I? Two, four, se- seven. <laughs> where am I? I don't want it. I don't it's want two math. times four plus one. Nine. No one told me there would be math on this podcast, okay? Like, okay. I got it right. <laughs> I'm I know not that kind of nerd. Because <laughs> I know I kind of criticized the whole re- repetition of the fight from the previous issue. But it's one of those things where you take it 
as an, an ingredient. So is it so crippling that it's hurt the issue? No, it's not. But it's one of those little things that you kind of what scratch your head and say, mm, it's a little odd that they've done this. But it's, but even in spite of them repeating it, they've still done it well enough to where it's still enjoying. And I think I think I've given it as high a score than the issue before. And that may be because I of the final three pages. I was going to say, that's your highest score ever. Yeah. Because mm. you usually give breaking like records, breaking breaking the buttons. I'm just you know so generous today. Really, I'm like going to good. completely disagree with your with your score. I'm going to give it an wrong, eight, okay. a very solid eight. A complete disagreement. That's like one point no, off. Okay, okay. I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> See, well, no, I'm, I'm going to get. I I think that the beginning. Uh, the the re- repetition of the the goblin stuff absolutely made me not enjoy the beginning part of the the comic. I like the rest, and that stuff all looked good. And it you know the handing over of the the single web shooter was was kind of cool, I guess. But it was mostly useless stuff. And I it, the comic suffered from it being there, but it needs to be there because otherwise it'd just be like what, five pages. Yeah. But, yeah, that stuff just threw me off a little bit, and I'm glad that the second half was so much better. The second half entirely holds the comic up to me, so I give it an 8 just because there's a lot of cool reveals and the characters are in line with themselves, which is great. I hate it when they divert themselves, but, yeah, 8 eight for me. Uh, I'm going to agree with Kyle. And I'm going to give it a nine because our complaint it was it was repetitive. But the thing is, while repetitive, it's not like it was bad. It was it was. I mean, if they were repeating awful things, I, I would have a bit of a problem. But they repeated a fight scene that, all in all, last issue was great, and its repetitiveness doesn't make it any less great. I thought it was still cool, and while it, like we said, it's basically a rehash of everything that happened before. There were still some cool moments in there. We mentioned the single web shooter. Um, and then I really liked that scene where both Peter and Miles web up the Green Goblin and throw him down. Um, and, I mean, we can argue and talk about how annoying it is to see it repeated, but I love watching Miles just beat the crap out of Norman Osborn because he's great at it, and I I don't know, I love it. Um it tied up the issue really well, and at the same time, it left enough cliffhangers to open up into this next story arc. Nine seems like a fair score for me. It was a solid story throughout, aside from the repetition. The repetition is the only complaint I have about it, honestly. And yourself, Brian? And in the spirit of repeating things, I'm going to say the repetition was my my problem with this issue as well. I think I was a little harsher, just a little bit, and I gave it a seven and a half. Uh, only because that fight took up pretty much half the book and did not really push the story forward. And I think that's what I was hoping for. I think it was kind of a, not a surprise in retrospect, but a bit of a cheat thinking that we were going to get some kind of answer out of Norman and then have it turn out to be nothing and then just kind of rinse and repeat. And then, Kyle, you brought up a point that I hadn't considered. Maybe it was trying to show that Norman couldn't, maintain the goblin mode as long i mean it was getting shorter and shorter 
but it wasn't enough to sell me on it. I think the the closure that the characters got and you know, new beginning for Miles and kind of you get a lot in those last couple of pages. You get, you know, a happy ending for Peter and Mary Jane for now. You get a new beginning with Miles feeling more inspired than ever. You finally get the answer to Katie's deal. And now, you know, that's kind of setting up for, for what's next. And his dad's back. So all of that really sold me on it. Never mind that somewhere out there, the Spider Twins are, are waiting to make their next move. So who knows how they're going to factor into it. But um, seven and a half for me. The Ultimates have been cleaning up New York streets in the wake of the Galactus attack. They took down the drug gang, the Serpent Skulls. Afterwards, Bombshell freaked and quit the team. But while all this has been going on, someone sinister has been tracking them. He already shot Cloak and Dagger. Who's next? Hint, it's all of them. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) This won't carry over for a few issues. This this, is not going to carry over for a few issues. Because in a few issues, it's done. So it's pretty final at that point. Uh, yeah, let's okay. Starting out, start this out by saying this is like bottom line. This is an improvement. We'll delve into into why it's an improvement, but it is a definite improvement from past issues. It's probably the best in the I, series. I'm not going to say one of the best. I'm going to I'm going to like I'm going to flat out say right now it is the best issue that has been put out in the all new Ultimate series. Well, you're confident. I am very confident. I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's great that Good it switches time. gears and and the story opens that with Bombshell being a being the narrator and being the main sort of the main character up front. And I feel you know I think it's really cool that they didn't just do that. Um, they didn't just do that in the beginning of this uh, of this issue. This carried out the whole way through. And even when I when I finished reading this yesterday, that was, I was thinking about the book later that day, and I I knew that. That's what I was going to bring up when we, when we started recording. I was like, I find it awesome that this whole book, up right till the very end, and that last big one page shot is narrated by Bombshell. And you know, even like just all like all of the dialogue, even like I love this first page because it's so hard to remember that even as a team of superheroes, they are still teenagers and they're trying to figure life out and go through teen like crises that teens think are huge at the time but they're not you know like they like just she struggles to get back in touch with these people who she left i mean yeah they're all they're part of a superhero team but outside of that they're friends and she's going through that struggle and she's like rehearsing in the mirror you know she's she's having struggles and she it's good to see that like it's like we've complained about how there's no character in this series there's no delving into these characters and as a whole and that we were praising the fact that cloak and dagger broke up because it was some form of character development but like if i'm going to add on to what i said i don't want to just leave it as um it's an improvement because this is one of the big reasons it's an improvement the fact that right off the bat we see more character developing on bombshell and she looks more human than cartoon character the are actually you know there's not there's not any i don't think of the sort of no face bland looking clothes like it's all actually 
looks fairly close to reality. And it's a, it's a very good-looking issue, especially in line with the rest of the series. Yeah, I had to double-check, but what I found fascinating is it's the original team from the beginning. It's uh, Amilcar Pina and Nolan Woodard on colors. And, you know, they were the group in the first issue, and we were talking about how just kind of saturated those issues looked, like uh, yeah. almost like really harsh and this kind of neon look to them. It's the same team, but the colors are, are much softer and much easier to take. I don't know if it's because they're daylight scenes, although there were daylight scenes in, in those earlier issues too, but it's just it's a lot easier on the eyes and it seems a lot more confident and self-assured. And I was actually enjoying the book very much for the first, I think, two pages. And then on that third page... When uh, Spider-Man gets a diamond back arrives and tries to catch his attention by throwing a diamond on his shoulder. And I, what is that? That third page where he kind of runs toward her to say, I'm taking you to the station. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous looking pose. And again, with this book, it's like, just like the last issue, she was like, oh, it was going so well. And then you're like, wait. I'm going to web you up. I'm going to get you. Stop the boss. Stop the boss. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Uh, Stop the boss. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, when I saw that, it was, <laughs> I like that call. Stop the boss. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I was, and then, and then, of course, in the next panel on that same page, he's totally ripped, and you know, it just looks amazing. <laughs> he goes so it's like from two like different super people. dorky kid running for the bus to Old Spice commercial model. Yeah, I mean, he's like a totally different character, but <laughs> but I found this uh, this dynamic with Diamondback a little confusing because now there's there's sort of flirting, and she. He fell for that way too easily. I didn't quite get that. It's established very early that it's a trap, but okay, like, do the writers just ignore Spider-Man's power set? Since the 60s, it's been very clear he has Spider-Sense, he can sense danger. How did he not go like, hmm, you know, something's going on, I think a sniper is about to shoot me. <laughs> Like, <laughs> how do you not pick that up with spider sense? Like, I mean, if it's like we've seen, like, not even just in this book, in lots of Spider-Man books, it picks up very minute dangers. It can pick up the smallest things, and when some guy's He's... got a sniper at his head, he can't pick that up. Like his his spider sense has picked up like pieces of paper flying towards him, not even thrown at him. But yeah. he can't pick up a. A sniper? Well, yeah, pretty well. pretty girl. So that's clearly <laughs> yeah. that's true. No, that is true. And it, it, there are holes in his spider sense. He's had spider sense when he's uh, you know obviously Venom is a big example of someone who doesn't trigger it. But yeah. he has been in, in situations where his spider sense is going off, but it's like a reaction to his emotions. But I gotta say, he falls for this way too easily. Like Diamond goes, absolutely. wait, stop. Or like he's like running in his dorky run, like with <laughs> his wait for the bus run. And and she just goes like, I'm not running away, just don't wet me, you'll ruin this coat. Like if I'm Miles, I'll be like, Oh no, God forbid I ruin your coat. No, I'm still taking vacation, <laughs> let's go. It's like you're not gonna need it anyway. You're gonna be in a in a, a cell. You don't mind if you're cold or not, get over it. They'll take it off you when you go in. So, I mean, you're not going to need that coat where you're going. But Miles, she was just like, you'll ruin the coat. And Miles was like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, <laughs> but, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but Diamondback's ambush uh, ends up being 
ambushed itself by none other than Jeff. Jeff. I love Jeff. <laughs> we knew it was you all along. Taskmaster, yes. See, like... Uh, with a I dart that, to the head. Yeah, and the thing is with this is there's a like we complained about. It. I just com- finished complaining about it, but here's another example of like how, first of all, like it's very jarring because Taskmaster slash Jeff very quickly ends up behind Miles, and there's no explanation as to like how he got there. Like he's just like I, he's like in front of you, he's just like here, and then he just let me give you a hand with your girlfriend, and then punches him in the back of the neck. And I'm like, when did you get there? <laughs> and why did his spider sense not stop you before you got there? <laughs> Like it's like he absolutely would have triggered a spider sense. There's no reason he wouldn't there's have. No, there's no reason there. Like there's like, like we we can't defend it anymore. I mean, I don't even. I'm not even asking for extra panels of him walking around because like, <laughs> I will admit that's redundant. There's no reason to sh- have to waste a page just to show him getting around miles. But I do want an explanation as to how miles just didn't backflip over him. Well, I think they you know for this page they might have wandered into like the warner brothers bugs bunny universe because you even have the stars around miles and said like <laughs> 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 that's a that's genuine thing and then if in any case in for this one it's just poor storytelling really and modern it's just a mistake to what say bringing up spider sense really doesn't have anything to do with it anyway because you can also make the excuse that he's just he can't distinguish which is important. What is he trying to do there? He, could he be trying to protect um, Diamond back some conscious body by putting himself in the way and he punches it? Probably. But the fact that it, it isn't clear enough does kind of raise the question. Yeah, I don't like the continuity in these uh, three panels specifically because it's... Or lack there. Obviously, Ta- Taskmaster appears at the back, which... He could do. He's a fast guy. He can he can move around somebody and punch him in the back. So and then Spider Man's on the floor dazed, and then he's shot straight in the forehead. Like he spins around to get shot in the head, and yeah. it, d- it doesn't show anything there. And it's a good example of what you were saying, Carl. It's just not clear. He could have spun around, but they don't say or show that he did at any point. I have to say though, I, I like Brian your Looney Tunes reference. I now have an image in my head of Miles as Bugs Bunny, Jeff as Elmer Fudd, just tearing down posters, going like cloak season, dagger season, dagger. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it won't get out of my head now. But um, yeah, no, the continuity issues like are a big thing, and like honestly, it's kind of like it's jarring when you see Miles absolutely destroy the green goblin and then here he's he gets punched in the neck and then turns around to get shot in the head he walks right into that like he doesn't he doesn't try to evade he sees him clearly with a gun and doesn't and he sees the effects of this gun on uh diamondback but he he makes no effort to try to get out of the way he just kind of turns around and goes like oh, oh my head Let's not forget, though, Taskmaster is a mercenary. He's far more trained than Miles is. is Goblin yeah. is not a trained fighter. And and also, it's he knows that his powers are basically ineffective against him as well. And Taskmaster has one of the cooler abilities of most mercenaries in that he can learn literally any move that you can do, and then he can emulate it. Yeah, but I mean, still, like, I mean, from what I know, and from what is commonly accepted, 
corrupted, it's Spider Sense trumps a lot of that. I mean, if he was, it trumps almost all of that. It trumps yes, all except of for Taskmaster's ability to read your mo- mo- movements. That's the problem. That's true, but Spider Man is very erratic fighter. Not only that, but he hasn't Bounce got a chance. Moves. He hasn't gotten a chance to read Miles' movements. He's watching Miles right now, and Miles doesn't move. He just knocks him out like that. And no- he knows his moves. He's seen him this fight before. before. That's he's the fight. thing. He's he, he's fought him before. It's not like he's just and as well. He needs to see the moves. So if he sees a video of him, he's learning the moves as well. That's true, and he's pro- he's also looked at videos of Peter as well, so he's mm. done the same thing that Miles has done, where he's learned the moves of the old Spider-Man, and he's seen the moves of the new Spider-Man, so he can do it. I it's just I've... weird that he doesn't put up more of a fight to me. Yeah, no, that, I see, agree with both of you. I agree, No, I agree that's a very good reasoning, that he can learn Miles' fighting style and counter that makes total sense. But my issue is that he puts no fight up at all, and like he kind of just makes rookie mistakes after making like i mean if you pay attention to the green goblin fight miles moves are like calculated and smart like he waits for the right time to land the perfect kick his fighting style is still rookie and erratic because he's new at this but that green goblin fight was pretty fine-tuned and then here he's not making an effort at all like he just like i said he turns around and lets taskmaster shoot him like square in the forehead bullseye and like I'm like, you're not gonna try. You're like, he goes down in the matter of four panels of meeting Jeff. And moving along, we have the girls packing up: Black Widow and Kitty Pryde. Oh, that's who they are. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, ten issues in, we could, you know, we could just get rid of these character introductions. <laughs> well, Kitty I mean, looks different like, in every panel. Uh, yeah, she does. I swear to God, there are times where she looks just like Jessica. And there are times where you can be like, okay, that's Kitty. Well, this one where Jessica looks possessed, the third panel. <laughs> the third panel? Well, even the, the panel, eyes. even the panel above, she's a Picasso because the her, I guess, her the right half of her face <laughs> is several degrees higher than... <laughs> <laughs> she's it's very... Yeah. Yeah, and that <laughs> I like it. She is, she is clearly uh, possessed by <laughs> some, some spirit in that... Uh, Ten bucks on Mephisto. She's sacrificed. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe this is Mephisto. it. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the touch though in this conversation uh, as they leave the door. She's talking about how they're going to have different branches for the Ultimates, and she goes Queens Ultimates, West Coast Ultimates, all new Great Lakes Ultimates. Mm-hmm. Like I I like that touch. That yeah. was a nice touch. To, like the obviously the West Coast and Great Lakes. No, the, the the dialogue in this issue, especially for this section, is actually pretty great the art style doesn't fit for this section but the 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 dialogue is brilliant it's good writing no i I mean i've complained in the past that it's it's been very cliche writing like they just took really common phrases that you would use if you were an amateur writer and just threw them in but you know it's improved and like on like i gotta say like i actually like i am in love with that that Queens Ultimates, West Coast Ultimates thing. That's like it was a great scene, and I loved it. So, how long do, do, after the events of the last issue does this one take place? Because it doesn't matter. Because how? What if Cloak and Dagger have both been missing for ages, and they just haven't noticed, even though 
Both well, of them no, live in the, Jess's house. They were the last issue was the um, it was it wasn't the femme fatales. It was the scourge breakout, and um, uh. they were all together at that point. So I think if like I think if they had been missing, they would have noticed them by now. So my guess is this took place same day or within the same week as that happening, and then they they just assumed that. Cloak and Dagger, Dagger ran off with each other. I mean, it's not it's not new. Kitty runs away from the team all the time. Bombshell's done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're not going to question that Cloak and Dagger have disappeared for some reason. Like they're not going to be like, oh goodness, guys, we got to send out a search party. Like, this team like goes like people leave the, it, this roster, and it's not like a big story arc like it is in the six one six when people leave rosters. No, people leave and come back as they please. Like everyone here is a reserve member. I was surprised that they picked up on a cliffhanger that I'd completely forgotten about, and we have the return of Zombie Cop. Yeah, they did. That and he's just fun. being a zombie cop. God. It, See, it, oh, no. God. For a universe I, I, that has prided itself in being based on realism, like, I got to say, it's pretty ridiculous. And like she's, it's, she seems very unfazed by this. Like, O'Reilly? Yeah. She seems incredibly unfazed by having a walking dead person in her house. A walking dead ex-boyfriend. He's dead and he flirts with her. <laughs> and I'm just like it's it's the craziest scene. Like I'm not I don't even have complaints about this scene. I it's just very very confusing and very odd. I don't like I don't understand any of it, but I mean it was it was a nice touch that it, they didn't just leave it as a cliffhanger and drop him off at her house and then just never deal with him again. It's nice that they're touching back on it. It's just it's a little weird. And then we have the uh, the drug drug lords, I guess, from the I forgot what issue it was third or fourth issue. Kyle, you you actually reread the series. Where where are these guys from? Because <laughs> um, it's probably the one before the crossbones, in isn't it? Is it that one? I can't. You know. I reread it <laughs> and then I forgot. So <laughs> I'm gonna take a gamble. I might be right. Just see, man. Even if I'm wrong, I'm right. But okay. these, these. I read, when I'm reading this one, this whole dialogue, I'm just thinking to myself, why is this happening? Why is this happening now? Because it just feels kind of dragged out. This whole scene, mm-hmm. just to get to. Oh, you know these drugs that I inhaled probably messed me up. Most like still messing me up, not to the point that I'm dead and then can come back and be a fight fight bad guys as zombie cop. But you know, it's I just don't know why it's here. To be honest, I think it really derails the issue because I think up until then it's solid. The dialogue is. Better than it usually is, obviously, since still the odd problems with the art in the story telling as just in the flowing of a story. But this is the biggest halt that the issue takes for me. It's, it makes zero sense. And like a lot of the things in any form of entertainment, the biggest complaint is like when you have you can't have too many plot threads because it's just annoying for readers to have to follow along with all these plot threads. And like you know, when you're following along with what's going on with you already you've already done Miles and Diamondback. And then you have Kitty and Jessica, which is somewhat excusable because it's essentially the same thing with Taskmaster. 
But then you jump into O'Reilly with with the zombie cop, and then now you have this drug scene, and you're pulling so many of these plot threads, and it gets it gets drawn out, like you said, like this whole this whole two page spread was, if in my opinion, a waste that it could have been summed up a lot quicker. And it's just dialogue that, in the end, doesn't help the book in any way. It doesn't contribute to the main story that's going on with Taskmaster. It's just kind of there. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because in the Miles Morales book, you also have a lot of plot threads, and I think it just comes down to uh, how well you fleshed out the characters or made them interesting. So, in one book, you have things like the Spider Twins and Katie and Jefferson, and all that floating around. Here, we have the detectives and these drug lords and yeah, but they haven't been developed as carefully. I don't feel because we've kind of been switching from random bad guy team to random bad guy team of the week, you know, or month or whatever it is. And so for these drug people to come back, I'd forgotten about them. They didn't make much of an impression on me in the first place. So to bring them back as if there's some kind of major players didn't, it didn't feel like it was earned. Yeah. The the thing with the Miles multiple plot threads is what's cool about them and what I really liked that they did in this series, this issue. The they saved a lot of those for the end, and they said like, "Yep, we've st- we acknowledge they're still here, but we're not going to touch on them now. It's going to be touched on in the future," which makes perfect sense to me because, you, like, honestly, people complain about cliffhangers all the time, but they're essential. Maybe because no one wants to come back when you finish a story at the end of every issue. It just—it's not exciting. You want and it, you want to leave the reader wanting or wanting to learn more, and that's what's good that Miles, the Miles series did is they they put out and they said Jefferson's back, Katie's parents are affiliated with Hydra. These are plot threads that we're not going to address now because right now we're focusing on the Peter Green Goblin arc, and we're finishing it up. We're going to do that next issue, but they throw this drug scene smack in the middle. And it has no, it has nothing to do to tie in with the past. The la- like at least for me, like I feel like these plot threads have to link at least like to very recent issues. But this whole thread with Crossbones and the drug lords and all that that's been done for a while, and now they're back and it's thrown in the middle of a comic that, like Kyle said, was doing fairly well up until this point. And then uh, Brian, what you were you were saying something? You said you had a question. Who is Taskmaster working for? The real Taskmaster. I'm going with it forever. No, Jeff is the real Taskmaster. No, I'm I'm going. I'm. I don't care what anyone says. Um, forever, even after they reveal whoever's hiring them, <laughs> is it's the real Taskmaster. <laughs> if he never shows up in this universe, then it's the real Taskmaster, and no one can prove me wrong. The end. Finn. See, if you were Kyle, I'd agree with you, but you're, oh, you're not. Oh, so I'm changing. I'm changing my name task- to Kyle. There's only one Taskmaster on that The End promo, and that's all I'm going to say. Leave it at that. <laughs> sure. Die nevertheless, that's a, that's a mystery that's, that's sort of set up, and you know, I'm, I'm wondering how it'll all tie together. And this, this, this person, whoever he is, didn't hire Taskmaster. We should point that out. He didn't hire just specifically Taskmaster. He put a bounty on their heads, which is, which is an interesting difference. Issue. There are bounties for them. I want to know who's putting these bounties up, because... Uh, there's somebody because if you I believe this Jeff he mentions prices he mentions tripling the fee for what he's already yeah done. and he's a mercenary so it's safe to assume that his work doesn't come cheap you know it, 
I want to know like who really hates the Ultimates this much and wants to get rid of them. And my prediction is it's Roxxon. Yeah. Mm, so that would make sense, yeah. definitely. Roxxon sees that they've screwed these children over. And, I mean, the scientists are not dumb. They know that the, who they've experimented on and they know what they've done in these experiments and what powers these kids should have. They put two and two together and they say, hmm, cloak, dagger, bombshell, they're all running around with powers that we gave them. We need to put the stop to that because, first of all, they're running around, they're running symbols of how bad their company is. Right. And at mm. the same time, they're failed, according to them, failed experiments because they're not following their plan. They're not being used as lab rats, which I'm sure they were intended as being used. They're going out and making the world a better place, which is something I'm sure Roxxon doesn't want. I am I'm 100% willing to bet that it's going to be Roxxon that is hiring this Taskmaster. I'm sorry, uh, Taz, it is not the real Taskmaster. Unless, <laughs> no, unless, it's the real Taskmaster. Unless the re- he unless works for Roxxon. Taskmaster is the CEO of Roxxon. Yeah, he works for Roxxon. He's a he 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 he. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I'll forget. <laughs> I, I I'm I if the if the real Taskmaster ever shows up in any comic ever again, then I'm right. So. <laughs> No, I, I think it's Roxxon. It's, it's probably Roxxon. It makes the most sense. And exactly, yeah. Roxxon, you know, he's, they've already been established uh, connected to these guys, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty, like, straightforward. I mean, like, they're the only ones with a, not only the motive, but the money to even put a bounty on their heads, you know? Yeah. And, and Osborne, isn't, like, the only other person I can think of is Osborne, but he doesn't need to hire a mercenary. He can do that himself. He, can take he also out- doesn't need the rest of the Ultimates. He only really ha- he only really cares about the Spider Men at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, uh, he's he's more focused on Spider Men, both Peter Parker and Miles. The only like Roxxon is the only very like clear, very clear cut enemy of the Ultimates. Which is and yeah. now that I think about it, it's very strange because they kind of banded together to stop Roxxon, but they have done nothing of that yeah. so far. So hopefully, this storyline with this Taskmaster. <laughs> Is supposed to tie into them actually going out and stopping rocks on like they're talking about. I also like how the issue kind of set it up where it's after all this time of her being away, it's bombshell to the rescue because they've they're all they've all been captured. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's good. that's a that's a good point. Uh, the beginning sequence where she's like all nervous and stuff is uh, is a very good touch as well, considering what we've seen of her for the past few issues. Mm-hmm. And it is it is it is cool that she is actually being a good character now for the fir- for the first time really since she's been introduced into the into the universe she's actually being interesting and competent did we talk <laughs> about this cover it is a great cover it is phenomenal and david nakayama like i feel like I, like I was like there's no way you can do a better cover and then he does a better cover yeah no his character designs for for this cast have been nothing short of phenomenal and this I'd never really cared for Bombshell as a character, but you know this issue certainly won me over to her, and the cover certainly did too. She's it's a very endearing looking character. David has done a pretty phenomenal job with this series. In the the first five issues or so, he was literally the only thing I liked about most of those issues. Mm-hmm. The cover was, you know, the thing that was like the rest of the comic is subpar or bad, but the the cover is great. You know, he, he 
does these beautiful colors and, and great illustrations of the character. It's a great image that Bomb's about to go off, and she's just cool as a cucumber. David Nakayama, I would love for him to just, do, even on one book, like a one-shot, just to do art and all of it. Because I like I understand it would be nice. He's yeah. a cover artist, and he like as a cover artist, you pay a lot more attention to detail and the turnover time for books. Like I feel like he wouldn't be well suited to do art for a book where you got to turn one over every month. Because like from what I can tell, these covers probably take a while to do, and he definitely looks like it looks like he puts a lot of time into them. So that's why like I'd love to see him just do art on a book for just a one shot. All right, all new Ultimates number 10. Let's get some scores. It's my favorite issue so far. So, a 9. I'm going to give it a 9. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I like that. It's it's my it's my favorite issue of the series so far. It's a 9 in relative to the rest of the series. It's not oh. a 9 in compared to everything else I read. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's it's a really great issue for the series. It it does make Bombshell interesting. The art is for the most part competent. It slips a couple times, but that's that's kind of just the thing of the series so far. And the dialogue's great. The story makes sense if it's not executed perfectly. I, I really did like this issue. And this would be the one of the series that I would be like, read this along with the, the, what, the two or so before this, and you will get the best that this series has to offer so far. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to give it an 8.5. I, I liked the issue as a whole, and I agree, it is definitely their best issue that they've put out so far. Um, the, my only complaints about it are the art gets wonky here and there, and the, like, the writing slips, but I think the book's finally finding its bearings. It's finally getting set, and I think, I think it's reached the state now where if it continues after issue 10 to be continuously written, drawn, and executed like this book was, I'm willing to say it is a good book worth picking up now. 8.5. So basically what we've established is something that I said in, I think, my first appearance, that scores mean nothing at this point now. This is getting 8s and 9s. But I jest. I think... Yeah, pretty much what everyone said, but slightly to a lesser degree. I think the drug thing, which, you know, was the highlight of our reviews of the early issues coming up, really does stall it. And But I enjoyed the bombshell dialogue, apart from a couple issues with the storytelling so that it doesn't flow as well. I think the art has very much improved with the less of the dead eye that appeared a lot in the earlier issues. So I'm giving it a 7.5. Nice. Uh, I'm like going to give this an eight. I think that, you know, I, no, the only reason I started reading this series uh, was for Miles Morales. And it's interesting to pick up an issue where he is surprisingly, I think the weak point in the story, this was bombshell all the way. And I, and I enjoyed it, which was crazy. So, <laughs> which was crazy. Miles just kind of, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, from that goofy run that he does to <laughs> proceed to be taken out after, you know, he kisses someone over his mask and then flip to the tongue. Slips, yeah. And then dart to the head. And it's just like, you know what? Fine. Good. Because that, 
cartoon stars over his head. It's just like, what happened to the, any, you know, shred of integrity for the character was just kind of thrown out the window. But if it's the bombshell show, it, it worked for me. So eight. Stop right there, Diamondback. And a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to post a review over at iTunes and Stitcher or help spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. We know there are plenty of Miles Morales fans out there, so we'd enjoy connecting with as many as possible. Now it's time for your feedback. We love hearing from you. The best way to get in touch is through our website at ultimatespinpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin. Drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show, your thoughts on the Miles Morales series, all new Ultimates, all new X-Men, Spider-Verse, or whatever's on your mind. We've got feedback, and obviously everybody loves feedback, and I love hearing from you, especially if you want to tell me that I'm right, which is true. Um, this one's from Jack, and it's, if you guys could pick any existing villain in the Marvel Universe who hasn't been translated into the Ultimate Universe yet, who do you think would make a good villain for Miles, or who would you like to see Miles interact with on a personal level? What we talked about in an earlier episode, both Taz and I mentioned uh, the Shocker, we wanted to see him come back, and uh, maybe not the same shocker we've already seen. Maybe a reiterated shocker, or um, in the same way the scorpion was reiterated. Um, and on the topic of the shocker, we I would like to see Miles interact with the villain, and like is mentioned in the question, on a personal level. I want to see Miles have that same experience Peter had, where he made fun of the shocker for years, or not years, but. Days. So days. Like eight months. <laughs> About eight months, because it's hard to remember how slow the Ultimate Universe goes. But um years years for us. But um it what it was he was making fun of him for a while and then you know he kidnaps Peter and he finally realizes you know, like the Shocker's got it hard and I, he'd never taken the time to step into the Shocker's shoes and realize what's going on with him. We haven't seen Miles do that with his villains. Miles has dealt with for the most part, psychopaths, violent, deathly psychopaths. So it'll be, I mean, the first, the only instance we've seen him deal with somebody on a personal level would be his uncle as the Prowler. Um, and I feel like that's, that was done really well. And I feel like the writers, I feel like Bendis could really bring that back and do a good job of trying to bring an emotional villain. And that's where we've talked about earlier. We've talked about Katie. She would be a good emotional I wouldn't say villain, but an emotional foil to Miles as Spider-Man, not that she knows his identity. I'd like to see a more like scientifically inclined type villain, someone like a Dr. Octopus, or maybe if it would be, I don't know, the Mad Thinker or somebody like that. But that could also sort of get Ganky to step up and sort of support Miles in that in that sense and trying to figure out a scientific-based solution to, to defeating him. I think that would be kind of interesting. I would like to see a, a sort of reiteration of some of the, the elements of the Goblin or Venom because the Hobgoblin in the Ultimate is Harry, which is fine, but he's also just the Green Goblin again but a little less intense. I would like to see maybe a goblin that is actually the 616 type of goblin where it's a suit and, you know, that sort of enemy as opposed to giant mutant monster thing. 
And the same with Venom. I would like it not to be like an actual maid suit, but to be a threat that's not just this weird, ongoing sort of danger from a more personal level. I'd like to see a Venom that is has this weird relationship with a Carnage or something like a Carnage mm-hmm. and could actually be a threat from the fact that he knows who Peter is as opposed to the sort of just angry Eddie Brock we get in the Ultimate Universe. Um, we got an email from Aaron Griffiths who says, Good day. I live in a small town in the middle of nowhere, South Australia. I found your podcast through the Amazing Spider Talk And I have to say that I'm thoroughly enjoying the diverse opinions shared by many of the hosts. Quite often I become enriched in the story and I miss some of the minor details which are then pointed out in your podcast, causing me to reread old, fantastically good issues again. It seems like upcoming stories will need to establish new major villains, expand on the Parker Osborne revival, deal with the Spider Twins, explain Katie Bishop and her family, reveal the fate of Miles' father and continue to build Miles' character. This seems like a hell of a lot to accomplish, especially with the slow pacing, not a complaint, of the Ultimate Universe. Thoughts? We should also keep in mind that, you know, this this email was sent in before Issue 7 came out. Yeah. Where, because, really, it does deal with most of K... It kind of mentions... um, where people are wrapping up and where it jumps off with. So we do see that Hydra is going to have some sort of impact on what Kate does, whether, again, we mentioned whether Kate knows, was sent after Ma- sent after Miles himself or not, or whether now that she knows he's Spider-Man, that's the game changer. Yeah, I think no. most of that list that I had to just do eight times, uh, has actually been dealt with uh, bar the Spider Twins. And there is going to be extension on Katie Bishop, but mm-hmm. we're, we're also getting, you know, Miles' father is up next. And I'm assuming they're going to continue to build Miles' character unless he just stays the same forever. I hope so. In terms of accomplishing a lot in, in slow pacing, I don't see that as a problem because this the way this book works is it's not really... For the most part, it's not really obligated to anything else. It can kind of do its own thing, and I think that's what's been allowing it to become stronger and stronger as a title. Uh, the last, f- I believe, three, four books have taken over and have taken in the place of one night. It's, it's yeah. It's you know slow pacing, slow pacing, and even in this question, they say not a complaint. It's not a big deal, and you know what? The Ultimate Universe at this point. Like you said, with the 616, everything, there's so many books in it, all have to tie in together. The Ultimate Universe is not held back by that. It's right now currently just running the two series. Series? Um, they have two to, series. Series I? But, two uh, series. I, th- I, yeah. I think it's two series, yeah. Series? Okay. Well, Seriously. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's that time of night. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh... Pun o'clock. <laughs> oh. oh no, Taz is beat. See, it's bad because it's actually almost one o'clock here. So, <laughs> um, I, I was waiting for my time. <laughs> you were waiting for it. You're bidding for it. But um, they're not obligated to follow a fast pace. They don't have to keep up with some of the other books in the series. 
right now they're perfectly content with taking it slow and there's no problem in that because it overall tells a better story and that's what I really like about the Ultimate Universe is even outside of the art, the details are not left out. So last episode, I posted a question on Reddit and I extended a question to the co-host here at the Ultimate Spin on who would you like to see do art for the uh, for the series of all new Ultimates? We talked about how the art is improved, but if you would like to replace it with one artist, who would it be? So the two replies we got are from Junior Hop three six four, who said, "God, Ultimates was my most anticipated book uh, earlier this year, and how not great it is just kills me. It needs a better writer and artist." Sarah Pichelli on art would be a godsend, and literally any other writer could hopefully do better. I'd say offer it back to Bendis, but he has enough on his plate. Uh, Yikes, ouch. <laughs> he, yeah, he took no liberties with that. Um, but hopefully, and I hope he's having the same experiences we're having with this book, it's on the, it's on the rise. It's improving. Uh, hopefully he does like it, and hopefully maybe he doesn't feel the same way when he typed that out. Um, and the next post is from Comic Brad, who goes, I'd pick Ryan Stegman as far as writing, because let's face it, the writing sucks too. I'd pick either Bendis or Charles Soule. I think Ryan Stegman was actually a really great choice on art, because we talked about how important art is. I think last episode, how important art is based on the kind of style of the book, whether it's like a world-level threats or street-level crime. Art plays a huge role in it, and Ryan Stegman can do that. I think he can do a street crime book really well. And then to you guys, I'm extending that to you. You guys mentioned you were doing, you've done research on it. So I want to hear from you. guys. I have done extensive research. Normally I just read a comic and I, I honestly usually don't care who's on, you know, whatever art or writing. So mm-hmm. I, I started reading some comics and paying attention to the art, whoever does the art, especially the ones that I'm reading at the moment. And at the moment I'm reading, uh, Miss Marvel, the current run of Miss Marvel. Okay. And the artist on that is a gentleman named Adrian Alfona, or however you say his last name, probably butchering it. And <laughs> he also did Runaways back in the day. And hmm. I also like the art on that. The art isn't exactly, you know, following the All New Ultimates, but it is, in my mind, similar. So I think that he could actually do a very good job of not emulating, but improving the art style that we keep seeing as you know bad because miss marvel very colorful (laughs) and it's it's a he's he's good at what he does i I love runaways art and i do really like miss marvel's art so i I would say that that guy i had some other choices as well but i he's the one that i remember the most so i'm assuming he's the one i like the most uh i'm gonna say chris samney who is currently doing daredevil with mark wade Okay. Uh, I don't know if you ever read Daredevil or you know a series that came before it, like when Bendis was doing Daredevil with uh, Alec Maleev. Um, it was very dark and intense and yeah. um, heavy. And when Mark Wade came on, there was a deliberate shift in the tone of the book, so it just it got a little bit lighter and brought a, uh, this great spirit of fun to it. And Chris Samney's artwork really strikes an interesting balance between sort of the darker, more intense side of Daredevil and then this kind of carefree spirit that goes with it. And 
for me looking at that, like I think that would strike the the sort of in-between point. We were looking at the art for All New Ultimates with Emma Carpina and then Giannis Milano Giannis, if I'm saying that right. And the shift there, which was kind of this you know, very extreme cartoony style. And I think Samney would really kind of hit the sweet spot in between that. Like he can, and for the tone of this book, that would work because they're supposedly do, you know, the intent is to do street level, you know, street level crime, crime fighting, but then they're also teenagers and there's this kind of lighter fun side to it. And I think his, his style would fit that really well. Yeah. No, the current daredevil series is a great read and the arts, like a really strong point of it. It's really uh, it's really good, and I think it's um, in similar to what Taz was mentioning. It's uh, it's a similar style to what All New Ultimates has, and it impro- And if anything, I think it improves on it as well. I think it would work. And then Kyle, I, I kind of like the the idea of um, Ryan Stegman on this, but for me, books that are not trying to be as serious kind of require books, artists, and art styles like like you said, Brian, like Chris Samney. Which lets the story be told through um, the visuals, through, through its humour. So, just because he, I think he's still doing Uncanny X-Men. I'm not sure, I've not read Uncanny X-Men in a, in a while now. I think it's basically a year. But I like, I really enjoy Chris Bocello's artwork. Um, I think it, it, it leans well to humour. He's shown that he can do... If basically, if you're going to do an X book, you're going to have a lot of mutants on your on your panels. So I think he he makes he manages to make all the characters look the way they should look instead of into one giant blue where everybody looks the same. And here's my sleeper pick for artist. I'd say um, I personally I'm not a fan of his art style. He's a good artist, but I'm not a fan of the style. I think. Possibly, if you're going for a fun book, a lighthearted book that doesn't deal with very serious themes, Humberto Ramos would actually fit a lot better. On Interesting. All- I, I, yeah, he was, he's my sleeper pick. I feel like he would fit a lot better on All New Ultimates than he would on the Amazing Spider-Man that he's doing right now. And, you know, I have to say his art has definitely improved. I did not like it when he was doing Wolverine back when they were doing it in, like, 2005, I believe. Um, I did not like his Wolverine, um, his his work in, in Wolverine. I felt everything was, all the uh, drawing was too exaggerated. Everything about it was just kind of overblown. But it slowly improved, and, like, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it now in the Amazing Spider-Man series. But I feel like with Spider-Verse coming up, and Olivier Coipel taking like doing the art. His art fits the serious tone of Spider Verse a lot better than Humberto Ramos, and I think there's a reason they moved. They didn't want Humberto Ramos doing the art for that. But I feel like moving him over to All New Ultimates would work perfectly because it's a lighthearted book. It's a street level book. It's a book that, aside from um, uh, the few instances of Taskmaster are for the most part fun. We saw issues where they were at the beach, where they were lounging around <laughs> in a living room. I mean, we don't like... I them. hate the beach. We hate the beach. There we go. Stay in the beach, and I never want to see a beach again. But it was a lighthearted <laughs> scene. It was a scene that shows that these guys are just teens, and they don't super... They're not 24, uh, 24-7 superheroes um, like characters like Captain America or Moon Knight. They don't have secret... They have secret identities because they have a life outside of crime fighting 
And that's something I feel Humberto Ramos' style can pull off really well. Ultimate Spin is proud to be a part of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, which has a phenomenal archive of articles and reviews, including my own in-depth write-ups on the Miles Morales series. It's also home to the amazing Spider Talk podcast, a fun and engaging conversation that follows the main series. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to our show at iTunes and Stitcher under Ultimate Spin. Visit us over at ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can send in your questions, find show notes, and stream or download our earlier episodes. Have a great November. We'll be back one more time before the year is out to talk about Miles Morales Spider-Man. We'll catch you then for the Ultimate Spin.